Women who misbehave. A podcast about the intersections of pop culture, the political, the personal, and even the spiritual. We're your hosts, Betsy Aime and Linda Garcia. Hi, and welcome back to Women Who Misbehave. Hey, hey Betsy and Linda here. How's it going, Linda? How's your week? This week, I realized that the baby's going to be a year old in a month. I can't believe it. Baby Benny. And I just started thinking, like, can we stop breastfeeding in a month? <laughs> so you've been breastfeeding the entire time? The entire time. So no bottles? No bottles. No pacifiers. He refused them. He took a bottle in the very beginning. We were supplementing with formula for about a week or two because he was hospitalized due to all the weight he lost because my milk wasn't coming in. I didn't know about it. I have a whole YouTube video on that journey. If you guys want to check it out on my YouTube channel, we have issues. There's a big part of me that's like looking forward to the nights where I don't have to feed anymore or like pull out the boob at the grocery store or whatever. But I know it's also going to be a really sad time too, you know? So I don't know. I'm living in this weird, conflicted place. That's motherhood for you. For those of you that are not mothers... That's kind of it in a nutshell. <laughs> can't live with them, can't live without them. I know. Well, happy early birthday to Benny. Thank you. I know you will figure that out. What about you? How was your week? So I want to share something that isn't nearly as cute or enduring <laughs> as Benny. I've been kind of waking up at night and like really worried about two things. First, I think the changes that are being proposed to our healthcare system, which I think hopefully we can talk in more detail later. Yesterday, the president every year puts out kind of a budget proposal. And then that's the starting off point where he works with Congress, both Democrats and Republicans to figure out kind of what the final budget plan is going to look like for the year. And in his budget, there was some pretty like heavy cuts to things that I think are really important to women and family specifically. Mm -hmm. So cuts to um, after school programming. So a lot of the after school programs that we have here in California, for example, are actually funded by the federal government. So they give the schools money and then the schools manage the programs. Okay. He's also proposing um, a lot of cuts to arts and humanities. So cuts uh, to PBS, um, cuts to NPR, National mm -hmm. Public Radio, um, and public broadcasting. And so, you know, I wanted to share that with all of you guys. First, so that when we hear, like, the president's budget, we know that this is a proposal. It's not necessarily the final. Yeah, can you elaborate what exactly does that mean? Like, he's proposing it to who? or He's proposing it to Congress. And then Congress either has to, like, approve or pass that budget or, you know, come up with their own proposals. So in the past, when it was, like, Obama's budget, you know, there was, like, a lot of, like, disagreement because they were obviously, like, on very different sides of where the money should be spent. Mm -hmm. um, but ultimately, Congress really has the say on how we spend the money. And how much of Congress is Republican. <laughs> well, right now, um, a big part of it, especially in the House mm -hmm. um, and then in the Senate, um, they do need about six or seven votes to get things passed there. So I think that's a good point, right? Because sometimes you'll hear, oh, Congress passed a law. But when Congress passes a law, 
it still has to go to the Senate and then it goes to the president. Right. So I think that's one thing to keep in mind when we hear the budget talks. And the key piece to that is that that means that this is a good time to call your Congress member. If you love PBS programming, if you love NPR programming, if you're a person who either benefited from being a part of after school programs when you were little, or you have children now, or you think you'll have children later who are going to need after school programming, um, this is a good time to call your, your members of Congress. And then in the action at the end of the show, we'll talk about how you can easy, quick ways you can reach out to your, to your representatives. Great. Looking forward to that. Linda has a baby that keeps her up at night. And I have, I have a toddler too, that actually does wake up and tells me he has ants in his bed. These issues keep me up at night too. We have a great topic this week. I'm really excited, Linda. Fasten your seatbelts. When we get back, we're going to talk about the ego. And we're back. And our topic for the week is the ego. And we have our in-house uh, expert. No way. <laughs> okay, she keeps saying she's not an expert, but in my eyes, she is an expert on this topic. And we're going to talk about the ego, which you may have heard about in passing or I know when you talk about Freud, uh, the psychologist, he always talks about the ego. But tell yeah. us what the ego is. The reason I wanted to talk about this is that it was inspired by our conversation last week surrounding the wedding and changing the venue. I think we all sort of may know what the ego is. The ego that I'm talking about isn't necessarily the Freud ego. It's more of the Eckhart Tolle ego, um, which is something that I really resonate with much more than the Freud ego. That one sounds scary. Yeah. I thought that it was really important for us to sort of narrow down on the wedding example and kind of be able to call out the ego when you hear the ego. A lot of us today don't even know that there is an ego living inside of us. We think that we are the ego. And just to put it into perspective, some people refer to that as the devil. The devil told me to do it or that person's possessed by the devil. Is it like, you know, the cartoon where you see like the angel on one side? and the devil on the other exactly the ego patterns on a high level are resistance control power greed defense and attack and I think when I hear that, I can kind of hear my ego saying, well, I'm not part of that. That doesn't include me. I might get a little defensive or I might attack a little, but that sounds like such a bigger problem. It sounds like corporations or, you know, religious views and wars and things like that. Actually, it does start with us. This is such a complicated topic. I've been trying to put this into a simple breakdown. I want to back up a little bit sure. and ask a question. How did you first discover what the ego is? Mm -hmm. I guess, what brought you to that point where you wanted to know more about this and, and learn about it? I learned about the ego two separate times. I didn't realize I was learning about the ego and I myself thought that I was the voice of the ego. So in my younger years, I was involved in a lot of drama, heavy, deep, dark drama. It was like one thing after the other. I'll give you a brief example. One time my car got burned, like someone blew it up. Someone stole it, drove it half a block and blew it up. I learned really quickly after that, that I was creating that drama, that I was attracting all of these really bad things that were happening in my life. Why would somebody attract 
Because we are fully possessed by the ego and because the ego is constantly being negative in our head, it is constantly telling us bad things. You don't deserve that car. Who do you think you are driving that car? You're from the hood. You don't even deserve to be in college. Now you have a car with a college sticker like the law of attraction. You stay in that mentality so you continuously create drama to self-sabotage and you don't even realize it. At that moment, I was like, I'm a victim of my own circumstances. I think out of desperation and being so tired of the suffering and the pain and the lack and all of these things, I like was stripped and I went into a place where I understood, wow, is there a possibility that I am creating all of these things? And if there is, that's amazing because I have the power to generate positive things in my life. But at the same time, then I thought, how could I have destroyed so much of my life in this way? What did I do? And why, right? And why? And I really think it was to get to where I am today emotionally and just the vibration that I live in. I began to take deeper dives into this and really understand what I was doing. The suffering was one lesson that I learned. And then on the other side of that, once I sort of pushed through the suffering and I started to generate positive things in my life, successes, then I began to deal with the ego in a completely different way. If you remember in our first episode, I talked about a lesson that I learned where material things were irrelevant. They didn't mean anything. When I found that out, I crumbled I remember falling to the ground and crying. I realized that I was headed in the wrong directions. I had the wrong goals. I was obtaining something that was so false that I loved obtaining. I loved buying shoes every Friday, buying clothes every Friday, spending my check up until the very last time on these material things. It was part of my identity. So then to be told that, guess what? That isn't your identity it wrecked me. Because then what do you have? You have nothing. You have nothing. And then the kicker is that you need to be happy in the nothing because you have nothing. These material things can go away tomorrow and all you have is you. Can you live with you? Yeah, I think that's, I'm, I'm a little silent because I'm, that's yeah. really powerful. And I think I'm, I'm processing that because I think, that we can attach ourselves to material things mm-hmm. or even to our careers. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, traditionally women attach themselves to whoever their husband was mm-hmm. or their partner or, you know, tying themselves to their kids. And so I think that might be a little bit different, but um, I think there is such a thing as like if you're stripped bare, if you're not, you know, Betsy, the whatever my career is, or if I'm not you know, so-and-so's mom or so-and-so's fiance, like, then what What, what am, am I? I? What, what do I have? And am I okay, you know? Yes. I think that's really powerful. It was very challenging for me. I spent pretty much an entire year in solitude. I disconnected myself from my friends. I began fasting. During this time, I read the Bible. And I read the Bible mainly because I wanted to hear what Jesus was saying. I wanted to hear his words, not necessarily the interpretation of the book itself. I just wanted to hear what he was trying to communicate because there was something that every time I heard a verse from Jesus, something would resonate deep down within. Um, I also started to explore the Buddha. I just started to explore these different beings that walked this earth that left amazing legacies. 
let me just get into what I want to talk about today. And this is really complicated for me to talk about. I've never shared my views with anyone. So if you guys want to just bear with me as I try to like explain this as best and as easy as I can. Um, so I want you to imagine a triangle or a pyramid of sorts. And in that pyramid, the foundation of it is the body. The next level is the emotion. And the next level after that is the mind. And then you have the spirit. And there's two spectrums on either side of this triangle. There's one spectrum that is the dark and there's the other spectrum that is the light. We live on either the dark or the light. No gray. Um, that's usually when you're transitioning from in and out of the light. The majority of us spend more time in the dark side, and then occasionally we'll come into the light. Wow. But for the most part, we're living in the dark. What's in the dark? So in the dark, on the first level of the body foundation, there's physical pain, discomfort, and illness. Mm. The lighter side of that is pain relief and energy and healing. On the level of the emotion, on the dark side, there's perceived trauma, guilt, anger, and depression. On the lighter side, there's happiness, peace, passion, growth, and release. On the level of the mind, in the darker side, there's distorted perception, illusion, stress, and anxiety. On the lighter side of the mind, there's clarity, awareness, and a quiet mind. On the level of the spirit, in the darkness, there's disconnection, emptiness, and absence. On the lighter side, there's connection, presence, harmony, and the ultimate, which is enlightenment. So any time that you're feeling any of the feelings that are on the darker side, that's your ego. So depression, anxiety, for example, that's That's ego. your ego. Oh, wow. Th that's your ego pulling you there. Mm -hmm. And your ego keeps you there. That's where your ego wants to live. The beautiful part about this is that it is a practice. So every day, moment to moment, you have the capability of pulling yourself out of the darkness and moving into the light, moment to moment. And that can change. One moment, something great happened and you're so happy and your ego comes in really quick and takes you to the to the darker side. Joshua and I have talked about this feeling that when like good things are happening to us, something bad's going to happen. Like, I can't have it this good for this long. Is that another example? That's another example and it's self-sabotage yeah. you can't get too attached to the to the material to the outside successes either mm. because that constantly keeps you in a place where like you always want to receive an award you want an award back to back to back to back come monday i want an award come tuesday i want an award come, you know so you're living in that place where you're trying to achieve that that's almost a false sense of light It's not necessarily a positive sense of light. A, the real enlightenment is to be able to live without those outer successes or achievements and without the drama and the negative and the darkness. It's really just living with yourself, with who so you are. So then I want to break this down then. Yeah. If I am experiencing a, a feeling of being in the light because I received an external validation, 
your to use your example yeah. an award yeah then the way i'm understanding it is that is like a false sense of being in the light because it's tied to an external like a, a person other than myself validating me and making me feel good about myself Right, because then you're constantly achieving validation from other people. You're still not okay with yourself, especially if after receiving that award, you go into a place of darkness. You should be in a positive place even before you go get it, get that award. And then there's not that attachment to the award. You're constantly chasing that shiny penny. So then what does it look like to be in the light, not because of an external... So, okay, that's a good question. That is not a topic that I can just give you right now. Mm. I feel like that's a journey. And let me get into more of what the ego is. That was my ego, right? Being like, <laughs> give me give the, me the answer. answer. Solve the problem for me now. <laughs> because that way we can learn how to practice um, and strip the ego away every time the ego arises. If you live most days or moment to moment in pain, then you are constantly thinking of the past. If you live most days or moment to moment in anxiety, then you are constantly thinking of the future. That's me. The ego doesn't live in the now. The ego will pull you out of the now. The ego can't survive in the now. The ego will pull you out of the now and take you to the past or take you to the future. So it's completely disconnecting you from source. So like I said, because the ego can't live in the present time, that's where source lives. To some people, that's God, Jesus, whatever it is to you, that's, that is where source lives. In the now. In the now. And what's the source? Source for me is God. Oh, it's the, okay. The easiest way I have found to identify the ego is by referencing that pyramid. So how I am feeling in my mind, body, spirit, and emotionally. How am I feeling? I almost want to create a graphic of it. Not me, Josh. Post it up somewhere, right? So that yeah. way, whenever I'm experiencing a certain emotion, I can check myself and just be like, what side of the pyramid am I on? And to your point, of this is, this is a journey. I mean, I don't think anyone assumes that you would just live in that lightness all the time, but it's always like moment to moment. Like if I got an email and I got a response from someone that I didn't like or something like yeah. that, like checking myself and saying yeah. like, where is this emotion coming from and what's it about? When you're in the light, you will never have to check yourself. Mm. Never. So as soon as you're like, I need to check myself, then you already know by questioning that you can carry the diagram. And I think it's very helpful. But if you have to question yourself, you already know you're in the dark side, right? Because when you're in the light side, you're connected to source. You're there. Source is coming through you, coming out of you, into you, out of you. You're present. You're present. What's pulling you out is the ego that's taking you back into the darkness. For the sake of this practice, it's important for you to identify it every time. Like, don't dismiss it. Okay, you feel yourself in the darkness. You know you're on the dark side of the spectrum. You have to identify it. That right there, I feel like, is a key moment mm -hmm. where you need to separate yourself from it. Yeah. And the ego begins to realize what's happening. What's happening, Betsy? Why are you disconnecting yourself from me? I am you. Where are you it going? It fights back. It fights back. Whoa. Yes. It's very tricky. And do you feel like some of us are predisposed to have an ego that's more 
aggressive. Oh, absolutely. That's why some of us are capable of killing other people and some of us aren't. Whoa. So at this point, this is when you need to recognize that you're the watcher. You are the watcher, the real you. You're not the one that's saying you don't deserve. So let me just go back really quick to last week when you changed your wedding venue. You began to feel these different emotions surrounding your wedding. Mm -hmm. You heard the voice Betsy, you don't deserve a wedding. You already live with Josh. You guys already have a baby. You're divorced. On and on and on and on. That is not you at all. That isn't even nearly close to you. And see, sometimes I confuse that with like, oh, that's your voice of reason telling you not to do this. So when you say, okay, that's my voice of reason, that person is logical, then go to the pyramid. How do you feel after the voice of reason tells you that? Do you feel relief? Do you feel enlightened? Do you feel love? What do you feel? You feel guilt? You yeah. feel not worthy? So that's how you go back and you identify, okay, that's the ego. So in this example, the ego is making you visit your past. You already had a divorce. That's your past. Or like, why do you think you get a happy ending? I, w- I, was, I shared with you, I shared with Linda during the week that um, as we were preparing or, or talking about having this discussion that um, I think it's also because my parents are divorced. And so having a big wedding feels to me like, oh, you think you're going to get this happy ending? Like, why would you get that happy ending? Yeah. I mean, and I even want to cry just thinking about that yeah. because that's I, your past. as we process this, like that was a lot of, I think, what was in the back of my mind. Like, oh, why do you think you get to be happy? Mm-hmm. Or why do you think you get a lifelong partnership? The ego is really conniving in that way. It has all different ways so to that attack was ego. you. That was ego. Mm. In your example of the wedding, when you mentioned not deserving it, you also moved into a different space, which I thought was really interesting. And this is when you're much more conscious, you're like becoming to be aware of the ego. This is how the ego trips you up. So then it took you from you don't deserve this to shifting its vo- its voice and sounding like your mom and taking you into the future. Mm-hmm. Betsy, why are you spending all this money on this wedding? You have a house to maintain. Your son needs to go to college. You have, you know, X, mm. Y, and Z. So then it's pulling you into the future. You went from being in like maybe a sad place to going into a place of anxiety. That's really interesting because one of, I mean, the the actual money to pay for the wedding is like a big source of, um, I don't want to say stress, but that was like a big driver of the decision. And part of the reason is that I have this, like, fear of, like, my parents made a lot of financial mistakes. You know, they spent money when they were young on things they shouldn't have. And so now they're both in a difficult financial situation that I feel like I partially have to be responsible for or help them in some way. And so it's almost like I'm afraid if I spend this money, I'm going to repeat the mistakes they're making. The ego reminds us all the time that there's scarcity Mm. and that there isn't enough. Throughout this journey of you know josh and i becoming self-employed we've really talked about shifting to an abundance mentality Mm -hmm. um and kind of taking the first baby steps towards not always thinking of i don't have enough money in the bank right but trying to shift that narrative to like you know money's coming and that's something that i've learned from you and thinking about money in that way now that doesn't mean we like go spend it all Sure. On weekends, it is really shifting how we think about money. Yeah. And I'm just amazed at how much of this 
these thoughts are related to the ego. Essentially, we are ruled and tormented by the ego. A lot of us think we are who we are, but we really aren't. We're the ego. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Once we're aware of the ego, do you have like some some tricks? I mean, we talked about the pyramid. Do you have some tricks to get us? Like, what do we do with this information? There's definitely no easy way to begin to deal with the ego. Otherwise, we would all be enlightened. I think this is a very personal journey, and I think it's a big accomplishment to even identify the ego, to admit that you have an ego. But to answer your question, once you've identified it, the most important thing to do is then watch it. And don't be judgmental of it, just observe it. Um, simply disconnecting yourself from it is already another big step. And then the third thing you want to do is to practice quieting the mind. This, I think, is up to each individual on how you can quiet your mind. I'll tell you what has helped me, and it's something that Eckhart Tolle has referenced before and I actually found it helpful almost immediately I began practicing it remember when we talked about in paying it forward the example I gave of paying it forward is listening to someone's story that's actually a really great gift to give we're constantly involved in conversations day to day so an easy way for you to remove yourself from the ego is when you're having a conversation with someone really try to shut up the ego and listen and that's why that's such a big gift in paying it forward because it really does create a space and when i say space i really mean a space in your head and in your mind to pick up on what that person is trying to communicate to you i'm doing it right now <laughs> so a really easy way to do that if you keep hearing your thoughts coming into your head is pay attention to every time that person pauses at the end of a sentence right now you look for those pauses and you bask in that moment of silence. Mm. Constantly when they're speaking, you look for the times that they're pausing and you bask in that quietness. But it's not taking away from what the person is telling you. It just means that you are really there present in that moment. There's no ego. So it's listening to understand rather than listening so we can process so we can think about what to say exactly so it's kind of like when if you're having a heated discussion with your partner and you're almost like thinking about what to say you're like oh well remember that time and so you're not fully listening and understanding and really empathizing or trying to empathize with what they're telling you or the feelings that they're experiencing because you're just listening to respond. You're already coming up with what's the next thing I'm going to say. I'm going to bring this up and then I'm going to bring this up. You guys can see how dangerous the ego is. As a collective, I'm going to speak on behalf of the United States. As a collective, we have such a big ego. And even though I'm conscious of this and I practice it and I feel like I have to just say the disclaimer that I'm like total baby steps. I'm nowhere near anywhere where I want to be. I'm constantly learning and I'm constantly reevaluating and I'm constantly reminding myself of things. It's like I have to like relearn it over and over and over. And just when I feel like I'm confident, I feel like I'm placed with like a major test. I'm watching someone like Donald Trump give speeches and have rhetoric that is completely dominated by an ego. And then this man is elected into power. 
And the reason why I was so distraught and so many other people were distraught and maybe weren't able to exactly identify it, it is because maybe we are on a level of growth where we know that some of those actions are very egotistical and we shouldn't be acting like that as humans today in this day and age. So what I realized in reading The Seed of the Soul, I myself was being egotistical and thinking that I am better than him. And I had a similar experience thinking about how I could relate myself or empathize more with people who did vote for him, even though he was saying things that to me were racist and um, discriminatory towards groups of people. That's probably the biggest lie that the ego tells us, is that we are better than another group of people. And some people see that in different ways, right? Some people think, because I'm lighter, I am better than this group of people. And in my, in the realm that, in the unconscious realm that I was living in during this election was in the realm of like, because I don't think that way, I am better than this group of people. Or because I'm educated. I am better than this group of people. And all that is, is ego. So in an essence, Donald Trump is a complete reflection of who I am. I had that same realization when I read The Sea of the Soul that, you know, our our leaders personify parts of us and maybe in the case of our country it was parts of parts of us that we didn't want to confront Mm -hmm. and part of the journey for me personally has been identifying those parts of myself that do personify some of these feelings that I claim to be above or that I think I'm above or that I'm I'm so much more evolved than those feelings and so it's been interesting to catch myself because thinking that way does kind of make it difficult to identify that you Mm -hmm. know it took me a moment like oh shit i really think i'm better than him it's this is really i am behaving no better than he is yeah which is really interesting so those are like the many tricks that the ego can play and that's why i think i really like the way we thought about this this podcast linda is because we understood that there's obviously big things we need to do, like take collective action and be a part of, you know, the women's strike if we can, or like, be, you know, make phone calls to representatives. But there's also an opportunity, I think, to do a lot of internal reflection. Our society is made up of each and every one of us. So how are we contributing or taking away to being a more enlightened nation? Exactly. What I didn't understand when I began reading these books was... After the year of like solitude and fasting and all of this crazy stuff I put myself through, when I came out of that, I was told by all my friends, you have so much light. They were telling me that I was on a different frequency. And I think that's also why going back to when you talked about having all these, you had all these like crazy things happening to you and the people you were surrounded with, I think when you shift your energy and you shift your your mindset or perspective, it does inevitably put you on a different um what is the word you use? I say wavelength. I, I frequency. Want, frequency. Yeah, it puts you on a different frequency. And so then you do find yourself attracting different kind of people with different kind of energy. Mm-hmm. I used to really like almost take pride in being like sarcastic and kind of negative. And then it came to and I used to call self help self hell. Yeah. And I was like, why am I purposely like taking pride in being like a negative person? And then a few years later, I got, I was diagnosed with depression and I was like, well, I mean, it was kind of like what I, the wavelength I was putting myself in or the frequency I was putting myself in. Right. And when I shifted that, I saw so many dramatic changes in my life. 
And I think that cliche of like, you can't change other people, but change yourself. I think it even impacts people who were already in your life. Like even my relationship with my parents or um, has shifted because I shifted. I just want to take a moment and congratulate you on being able to identify that because unfortunately, a lot of us aren't able to identify that and we perpetuate. We live with depression and not trying to rectify it aside from taking medications and validating that you are living with this illness. Yeah, and I want to say to that point, like it is, I don't want to, I don't mean this to say like, oh, I'm solved and I'm all no. better, but it is like that constant awareness. I have a a sheet on my desk and it's something I got from a from a therapy group I did years ago and it's it says ANT for automatic negative thoughts, mm-hmm. which I think is another potentially manifestation of ego, it sounds like from what I'm learning. And it's like examples of like, you know, why am I feeling this way? Like, is this like, it has all these questions to kind of like check myself if I'm having these negative feelings and I'm letting myself, as you described it, kind of go down that rabbit hole. Mm. Well, thank you so much. I feel like this could be a three-part series, but is there anything else we should? I wrote like five pages, Betsy's my witness, of how I wanted to break this down. And the reality is that it's a journey. If this is something that you want to take a dive into and you're kind of being exposed to it for the first time, then I would really highly recommend for you to watch the movie The Peaceful Warrior. The Peaceful Warrior is based on a true story. The second thing you can do if you liked The Peaceful Warrior, I would almost recommend that you read The Peaceful Warrior, the book by Dan Millman. And then the second book I want to recommend, which takes an even deeper dive, is a book called The Voice of Knowledge by Don Miguel Ruiz. And then the third one I want to recommend is The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. I think that's like extreme. I think it's really beneficial to look at those other two pieces before you go there just so that you can have a really strong foundation when you're starting to dive into the ego. And there's no rush. That would be my recommendation. But other than that, that's really it. And I also just want to reference something that um, Eckhart Tolle says in The Power of Now And that is that I'm not here to teach you anything. He says, I'm just here to remind you of what you already knew. And if it resonates with you, then you know that it's a source of truth. That's a perfect way to close the segment. We'll be back with current issues. And we're back to Women Who Misbehave. Thank you again, Linda, for that amazing conversation. And I want to say, if you catch yourself acting out of ego or you identify your ego this week, we'd love to hear from that. Send us a message or leave a comment if you're cool with doing it in a public forum. But I'd love to hear what you guys do with this like new awareness or this refresher of this awareness. Because I had read about the ego in the past, but I felt like I even made like some personal breakthroughs. I feel like Linda needs to send me like a therapy bill or something. I feel like I had some personal breakthroughs right now. So thank you for that. Current issues. What's your action of the week, Linda? My action of the week. It's something that Patty turned me on to a while ago, and it's a note from the universe. So you go onto this website and you put in your goals and every single day you get this note from the universe. Aside from opening my currently newsletter from Betsy that I love opening on Tuesdays, I also look forward to opening this note from the universe Monday through Friday. 
it's tailored to us like individually I think I hope it's not like the same mass note that comes to everybody because I really feel like it's speaking to me I get them too we should compare yeah we should I just wanted to share today's it says Linda you do know of course why you're here don't you It's because you couldn't resist the challenge. And then it goes into telling me that I wanted to be a teacher of my past, how I'm rediscovering what I once knew. And this was sent to me this morning. Is it the same one? <laughs> maybe. I think it's because we have the same goals, maybe. Or we had the same, like, because that's how, that's how aligned we are. Betsy and I have done several personality tests. We did all kinds, like the numerology one. We did the Myers-Briggs as well. Yeah, we were just trying to really get to know each other on a deeper level before we started the podcast. And it was so funny because we learned, I think, our master number is the same. Yeah. Our, we have similarities in the Briggs yeah. test. And it's kind of, it's kind of insane. So. Yeah, the Briggs said we were, we're Steve Jobs and Oprah. We'll let you guys guess, guess who's who. That's great. I, I get those emails too. Linda actually got me onto them. Um, and I think there's a good way to like start off the day um, on, a, on a positive note. And then after you do that, and yes. only after you do that, I want you guys to sign up to receive an action of the week or action of the day. So one of the, there's two things you can do. First, if you want to get news updates, and this is like impartial unbiased news, not commentary, you can actually sign up to the New York Times Daily. And this comes from a podcast that I listen to every morning and it's 15 minutes and it gives you the top story and they bring in like in-depth journalists who are experts on these topics to kind of dissect some of the news of the day. And you can actually get a text, sign up to get a text and they'll send you like the major story of the day. So it won't be like CNN, like alert, there's a flood, although You know, if you want to get those, that's cool. <laughs> But this one is particularly, so like yesterday they sent a text and it was just a breakdown with an infographic of the budget, the presidential budget and like what it had. But it was like really digestible and quick. And so you can actually text 63937 to start getting those texts. And then the other one is something called Resist Spot, which I also uh, mentioned in my newsletter currently this week. And you text 50409 and it actually, A, it'll tell you who your representatives are and then you can actually write them a note and then they'll go ahead and like transmit that note to them either via mail, snail mail because they still like to get letters up there or it'll even do a fax or an email for you. Oh, wow. And you can do that from your phone. So that's an easy way, I think, if you want to send like a daily letter or a daily note um, to your member of Congress. You know, I can't promise you that the member is going to personally read every single note, but they do notice when there's an uptick. Mm -hmm. So like if they're suddenly receiving 10,000 calls or emails about something, then they'll know this is something to pay special attention to, or at least they know that people are watching, which I think is important in and of itself right now. Yeah, that's pretty powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And then our theme of the month was paying it forward. So, Linda, did you pay it forward this week and how? I really tried to work on everything I've learned and write it down and see how I was going to share this information with you guys. So I feel like this was a way of me to pay it forward from my mentors in the past that had me read books and, and do all this stuff. So 
That's big. I mean, I think, you know, having a child and a job and you guys don't see it, but Linda has like pages of notes that she wrote to really be fully prepared. And I think that's definitely paying it forward and sharing the knowledge of your mentors and um, really being vulnerable, right? And sharing like, I went on this journey because I, you know, I needed help. And I think one of the things I did, I signed up to be a mentor. I did a fellowship seven years ago. Um, and they identified a girl who's doing the fellowship this year. And it's a leadership fellowship called New Leaders Council. If anyone's looking for any personal, professional development opportunities, um, you should definitely look into it. And uh, they identified that she had a similar career path. And she's a new mom. So they thought that we would be a good pair. And so yeah. I've never met her. Um, so exciting. I committed to meeting with her a few times in the next couple of months. So um, speaking of alignment, I think just as we were having the conversation, I was approached for that opportunity. So I think I um, I opened myself up to it. So yeah. That was, I thought that was pretty powerful yeah. too. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Keep sharing your stories with us about paying it forward. I know some of you send us messages um, that this made you guys reflect on reaching out to old mentors or like reaching out to um, young women that you know um, in your life as well. Um, so thank you for that. And let's continue, I think, honoring Women's History Month by learning about all these heroes that we weren't taught about yeah. in school um, and all these amazing you know, women of color who have done great things that we, we didn't hear about. We want to share the way one of our listeners paid it forward. This is from Dari Design at Dari Design. And she says, I love the paying it forward concept. This also has me thinking that I need to do it more often. My way of paying it forward is to give away five 60-minute mindful creative coaching sessions free in various occasions throughout the year. That's awesome. We actually got to meet Dari at the We All Grow Summit and I took one of her courses. I really loved her coaching style. We hope to get her in here pretty soon so that she can talk us through a spiritual coaching session. She's pretty amazing. So thank you for sharing that, Dari. In the meantime, you can follow her on Instagram at Dari Design and she also creates beautiful thank you cards that are being sold at Trader Joe's. Thank you all for listening and being with us on this journey. And thank Thank you again, Linda. Thanks, guys. All right. We'll talk to you guys soon. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Women Who Misbehave. You can also follow Linda. Where do we follow you, Linda? You can follow me at Lose Warrior on Instagram. And YouTube. And YouTube, we have issues. Issues spelt like shoes. So I-S-S-H-O-E-S. And you can follow me um, on Instagram at Betsy I'm C as in cat. And if you want to sign up for my weekly newsletter currently, you can do so on my website at cimez.com. Don't forget to please write a review on iTunes. Give us five stars. Just kidding. That's my ego. <laughs> but really, though. No, if you guys could really go on there and give us a review, it would really mean a lot. It helps get exposure and getting other people to listen to the podcast. We would really appreciate you. And we'll see you next Sunday. Hi guys, I have a really quick public service announcement. BinderCon is happening in LA, taking place on April 1st and the 2nd. BinderCon is a conference for women and gender non-conforming writers. Our very own Betsy serves on the leadership committee and is moderating a panel of two fantastic Latinas. Gloria Calderon-Colette, executive producer and co-showrunner of the Netflix show One Day at a Time, and Tanya Saracho, writer for girls and how to get away with murder. Buy your tickets at bindercon.com. We hope to see you there.